This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Andor the Relentless, the show where we relentlessly talk about Andor. I'm Arzu, and with me are Candace. Hello there. Maggie. Hello there. Norhal. Hello there. And Alice. Hello there. So today we are talking about episode eight, Narkina five. Uh, quite the, I don't even know how to sum this episode up. It was like several vibes happening at the same time. Tense, <laughs> exhausting, stressful, exhilarating, stressful, yes. glossy. I don't know. The whole episode feels Good. very glossy and shiny, which is a weird way to describe it, but it's how Pristine, I feel about every aspect yeah. of this episode. There were a lot of feet. Yep. Didn't love yeah. that. I just want to. I just want to let you know. I warned Arzu like a day and a half in advance. <laughs> She's like, lots of feet in this episode, and I'm like, great, we're gonna. Brace and I was ourselves. like, and not just like in the distance, like up close. I know where Diego Luna has a little blister on his little pinky toe. Oh, <laughs> I. Aside from the horror that is that, <laughs> that is just the shots of it. As somebody who used to work a job that had weekly safety meetings about working around equipment and working in manufacturing and working in engineering, the fact that nobody had steel toe boots on was stressing me out immensely. It's true. The true enemy of this episode was the lack of OSHA compliance. Which is not, pretty par. I mean, that's pretty par for the course when it comes to the Empire, though. Yeah. Look at the Death Star. There are no rails. No rails. They're that not stressed OSHA me out compliant. as a kid. Like, when they're doing, like, the Death Star, like, the zoom the laser thing the laser just goes by them there's no rail you they're like you thought the lack of rails was bad we also don't provide anybody with steel toe boots agree Mm -mm. you would think that they could like modify the technology because they like the the imperials get to wear righteous snow boots oh yeah um and everybody else has to go barefoot you would think that you would just give them a shoe that has like a conductor in it that would let the you know let the shot go yeah. through yeah yeah i mean just uh would, would not would uh yeah that kind of you, you you have to remember it's a prison they don't care no more than the american industrial system <laughs> of the prisons care about the prisoners they don't care if you get hurt and die that's one less person and they can replace you it reminds me i care about my emotions <laughs> it's it's not like it's not like it's a job they are being forced they are they are prison labor it remind me of Face Off. I don't know if you guys remember, like, oh yeah, movie, movie, like, they, it, like a billion years ago. So yeah, yeah, it's a prison, also like surrounded by water, and what they have is like magnetic floors. Okay. So the prisoners are like, if something goes wrong, they're like they, stuck to the floor. Face Off, like the John Travolta and Nicolas Cage movie. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, take your face one. off. Why do I? not remember that aspect of it because it's, it's Nicolas Cage and John Travolta being their like craziest that's what you remember from it yeah <laughs> it also reminds me of George Lucas's THX yeah in terms of aesthetics uh huh some subject very very glossy <laughs> um so since we're on the subject of the prison let's start with Cassian and his Utter no, lie that he's never served. Yeah, I texted Arzu. I'm like, he's a filthy liar. <laughs> he's a filthy liar. But hey, wait a he's minute. A, From a certain a point of view, Cassian Andor <laughs> wasn't never never wasn't a uh, he wasn't in a prison. 
Kiev Gergo was in a prison. <laughs> I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi would agree. Yeah, Cassian's like, <laughs> right. look it up. You don't see my name anywhere, do you? <laughs> and also, like, liar. technically, it's not technically the prison. They're wor- he's working at, a fa- like, a factory. Like, in the like yeah. they very clearly yeah. say to him when he gets there, this isn't a prison, this is an imperial factory facility. Yeah. And Cassian's like, that counts. That doesn't exactly. count. Exactly. I can still it's say I've never been caught. Like, he's just ragging. <laughs> and he's not in the rebellion yet, technically. So he hasn't been caught while in the rebellion. You see, there's a lot of nuances to what he said. Yeah, it's true. It's he's also an imperial facility rather than, like, when he says the line about not ever having been in prison or this is a, what he says is this is a first for me. Mm-hmm. It could be that, like, he's being held by fellow rebel troops and yeah. that is what's tripping him up. So yeah. rather than yeah. the p- concept rather of a than prison. The yeah. yeah. I like the idea that Cassian Andor is running around in his day-to-day life looking for technicalities in his language. <laughs> <laughs> this you is know, just a hobby. You know Marva taught him well. I know. Very true. Like, oh, Marva. Look, look for the loopholes in life. Yeah. Poor Marva. So, poor Marva. I know. But before we get to Marva, this prison, besides being a wild, wild OSHA violation, (laughs) we got a couple of faces pop up. One familiar, one not so familiar. Not Marva. Melshi or not Snoke? Who are we starting with? Let's start with Kino. Kino. Kino, that's his name. Oh, my God. It was my precious. (laughs) (laughs) I love Andy Serkis so so, 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 so much. Uh, but he's always creepy. Like, I remember yes. watching the Batman, and for some reason, I don't know how I missed that he was supposed to be in the Batman. And I was like, oh, my God, we get to actually see his face. This is, like, so exciting. And I felt the exact same excitement seeing him in Star Wars, especially since, like, the character that he played in Star Wars is kind of a nothing burger. I'm sorry, Snoke. And also, <laughs> like... He's just so talented when he's not under CGI and yes. character makeup and little dots on his face. Like he's such an emotive performer, mm-hmm. and this role is just so good for him. Yes, and he commanded the room. I, he even if he's uh, physically shorter than Diego Luna, he was like, "Hey, I'm commanding this role, this room, like giving you that impression." And it was fantastic when I heard his voice, like. Wait a minute, yeah. Leo DiCaprio pointing Mimi immediately, me pointing <laughs> on my screen because, yeah, what? And it was fantastic because it was not leaked. It was like, oh, yeah, Andy Serkis is going to be in Donner. That was a fantastic surprise, to be honest. Definitely. And his character is so interesting to me as well because, like, he's no different than the rest of them, but because he's been given this, like, modicum of power over them and, like, he doesn't have to work the same way they do, it it changes how he interacts with the system and, like, he's literally just living on a hope that he's going to be getting out of there and how that, like, influences all of them. I mean, that's, like, why he tells Melshi to shut up because it's, like, if you start seeding this idea that we're never getting out of here everybody's going to lose hope and start losing their mind. And so it's like, he's clinging to the like one thing, like they have to be telling the truth. If I do good. And if everybody works hard and if we get out of here, I only have 240 days left and then I can go home. Yeah. And it's like, this such, such high stakes. And it's just oh, so uh, good. <laughs> Alice, what are your thoughts? You were clinging to your face when, when Kino came up. 
Um, I was clinging to my face um, for both, actually, for both uh, cameos. Um, it's so exciting to see Andy Serkis in, in real life. He's a very handsome man. He looks like he looks great. His hair looks good. He is um, totally killing it in prison, um, looking better than anybody has the right to. Um, Ariel's got and- great conditioner. Really great conditioner. Um, It's interesting to see him um, acting in real life. I was um, incredibly excited to see Melshi show up in this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I like, Maggie, what you were saying about um, about how Kino is very like, we're going to power through this. We're going to we're going to get through. I do the right thing. I'm in charge. We're going to be out of here in 240 days. And Melshi is like the exact opposite. Like something has like broken that man and he's like, we're never going to get out of here. It's only, it's only going to get worse from now on. So don't even bother looking at the screen. This is your life now. Um, which was like such an interesting contrast of character. Cause that like really set off Andy Circus to like push him up against a wall and threaten him because like that idea to him of like, no, you might not get out of here is so threatening to him and to like his state of mind. Mm-hmm. I just I can't wait to see like because Mel she's right like they're gonna do something to mess with this sentence and they're not gonna let him out or something I just have this feeling that um that when that happens Andy Circus is gonna snap and lose yeah. it and yeah. become Snoke no no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I like the whole scene when he's welcoming Cassian in and like explaining sort of these are the tables and these are the people and this is how it works as it is with all the moving machinery and all of the tables and the numbers, it was, was fairly tense. But I think his sort of the way he was speaking to him, like, what's your table number? What are you going to do? And this is how it works. And like yeah. his performance played such a role in making an already tense moment that much more like an- anxious and anxiety ridden that basically what I'm trying to say is Andy Circus is just wildly underused, generally speaking. Yeah. For all that he is a fantastic mocap hidden behind layers of makeup and green dots and whatever performer, having just him be there, he is just so supremely underused. Oh yeah, I I stand by my my assertion in my tweet that he is one of the greatest actors of our generation because he yeah. is he is criminally underrated, like you're saying, because he's always under Emotion makeup, yeah. which does. I mean, he gives amazing performances and he obviously like performs well because those motion capture, you know, roles have stuck with us, all of mm-hmm. us. But it, it limits so much of like his actual like facial performance, which is so strong. And to see like the little expressions in this episode with him and it only gets better. He is a terrifying man. He's yes. terrifying. He's terrifying. He's any final thoughts on Kino, Melshi? We will touch base in a few episodes. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, well, one one thing that I, um, well, talking about the prison in general, it was the one thing I, I, I felt, obviously, this prison, and it was this really not sanitary, clean place, but at the same time, you get this terrifying vibes and, I, I gotta say, and to be honest, I had this like concentration camp vibes mm-hmm. at a certain extent when you see that, like what you just said about Kino not wanting people to lose hope because he's at he's 
clinging to that hope of, hey, I'm just 200 days out of here. So yeah, it was it was terrifying, and yeah, but the aesthetic reminded me of yeah that gave me that impression to be honest. Something about the cleanliness and the efficiency of the prison, I think, made it that much more terrifying. Because I think if yeah. they had thrown them in something a la what like Sagarera had going on on Jeddah, like something out of the way and dirty and gross and brutal, I think in its way would have been less terrifying because something like that has a weakness to exploit. Yeah. And you as a prisoner can attempt to exploit that weakness, especially if like, if there are enough of you, whereas like this is so well monitored and well managed. And uh, brutal. Uh, mm. I, I disagree there. Cause okay. very, they very clearly set out and show us that it is inefficient when he's getting booked and they're like, Hey, that guy's late. Where is he? And he instantly yes. notices that there isn't that many people working there. Like okay. that, I think that very clearly is meant to show us that this this is not as efficient as things look. It's not, but it seems that way to the bulk of them. People like Melshi who are like, that's it. Like Cassian's putting it together, but people like Melshi haven't. Yeah, give it five years and Melshi's breaking Jin or so out of um, Wobani. Wobani, yes. Which is like dirty and gross and filthy and has like the the transport, the you know, prisoner transport as a weakness to, um, yeah. to exploit. It's like a very, very different prison, very different kind of layout and setup, and and very different um, living conditions. Um, so it's it's like a like a huge contrast between. Yeah, and you look at the contrast of like what non humans are sent to, like the Wookies and Rebels are sent to like the spice mines. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so. and at the same time, it was kind of pointing to see Melshi and the rest of the prisoners asking him about Aldani. Uh, it, like, oh, what, have you heard? What, what's going on? And uh, unbeknownst to them, he was part of that heist. Wasn't, mean, weren't they talking about the prison reform? They weren't talking about Aldani. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, yeah, but one Wait, thing what are we talking another. about? When because the prisoners were asking all the changes, yeah, yeah. The reform, they do or the thing. Mm-hmm. They do the say, uh, "Oh, they blew up a garrison." The, yeah, like, that somebody. Well, somebody oh, does and then, say that. And then yeah, they, they said we got punished for it instead. We got punished for it, but yeah. they don't know that. Thanks to Cassian, he was right. Part of it. So somebody explains to me because I watched this a few times and I couldn't put it together. When they say they doubled everybody's number, they mean sentence. Yeah, that's what, that's what I assumed. Yeah, that's what I thought it meant, and then for some reason I'm like, well, that makes too much sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I would seem to be used part of the fallout of the yeah. um, of the legislation after Aldani, which is yeah, like which is what they're talking about. They're like, what is happening out there? Like, like we heard about a garrison being blown up. We heard about this, and we're being punished for it because they doubled all of our numbers for some reason, and we don't know why. And that's. Um, that's like it's like really sad that mm-hmm. these guys are are catching the fallout and that Cassian is going to be there like physically witnessing the fallout of what happened because he was involved. Yeah. Um, and and at the same time it makes me think that a hey, maybe uh, I think I saw it around in social media but it seems what they were manufacturing was something that it was going to end up in the that star. Everything that at was this point in history ended up exactly. in the death star. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, they're working on at this point. So it seems like, oh, 
it was a perfect excuse the empire used to, okay, yeah, we're going to ramp, uh, ramp up numbers. We're going to get double sentences to get, make sure that we have ensured uh, labor manpower. That's the thing. That. Like if you're a good worker, are, the empire is going to want to keep you around, you know, they're going to be like, find an excuse to yeah. keep you going. Yeah, and it's part of what Luthen said. Like, yeah, that that was what he wanted, like the oppression. And then we saw in the previous episode that Mon Mothma was, hey, but this is going to make the empire to retaliate, being more oppressive. And that's what Luthen, yeah, that's that's what's going to cause people to sleep from the fist, like Princess Leia said in A New Hope. I really loved how it was edited. There was some slow fades. There was a really great like scene of like the machine uh, door closing and then the machinery coming up. Mm -hmm. It was really well done. But um, yeah, how it kept going from this clean white prison to Corsant, which is yes. just as you know shiny and glossy nice. too. But and it's another type of prison if you think about it. All right, so. Final thoughts on middle manager Kino on the prison on Cassian reacting to everybody suffering because of the Aldani break. Just anything. Diego Luna's like expression during the entire thing. He doesn't say very much. He didn't speak a lot in this episode, but just looking at him gave me anxiety. <laughs> He's such a good actor. <laughs> Cause he, you could tell like he was feeling like, there's nothing he can do. He can keep saying he's a tourist, but... And also, well, something interesting is that you think about that he was running away from this rebellion, running away from trying to get back into his old ways. And you would expect, oh, they're going to catch him for what he did in Morlana. They're going to catch him for what he did in Aldani. But they just catch him like just chilling or walking to the store in the random beach which is even worse because yeah he was just caught because was he was just there for five the whole thing is like you have to take a stand yeah or else it's going to be chosen for you That's exactly thing, especially with this empire and that's it like like you were saying that's what luthan wants is he wants it to affect everyone so then everybody's outraged and then mm -hmm. everyone takes a stand because that's the only way. A lot of it's hitting way too close to home. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> it's getting too real. Uh, something that I was like really like impressed with was like we've seen such a like a youthful looking Cassian up until this point. Like Diego is playing obviously much younger than he actually is and younger than he was in Rogue One. And he was doing so well with making that like very young and mm -hmm. not carefree, because he's definitely not got he's got he's got cares. <laughs> but he looked young. Even like when he's standing there when he first gets into the prison, he looks young. But then when that 30-day jump happens, this man no longer looks young. He looks like he has been worked hard. And has seen how awful this entire situation is. And he looks so old. And I just like, I don't think it was makeup. I don't think they did that. I think that was just the way that Diego shifted the way that he was carrying himself. He was like carrying mm -hmm. himself with like weight on his shoulders that he didn't have to start with. And it was like, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, he looked like he looked beaten. He looked tired. He looked dirty. Like all of that yeah. stuff. Like he, man has clearly been through hell. 
Yeah. I would say hell and back, but he hasn't been back. He's just in hell. Not yeah. yet. Not, Not yet. yet. When does he get out of hell? When he joins the rebellion or on <gasps> Jeddah? It doesn't matter. I'm just making everything. I, I have I have the answers for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, final thoughts on this segment of the episode. I'm not going to bore you guys with the Panopticon. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> I, you want to say was... a little bit about the Panopticon? Because I know you like it. I, yeah, yeah, it was I know, cool. It's a really weird thing to, to like, but yes, I do love it. Um, yeah, I always have to like feel like I have to preface like why I have this weird love for like prisons. I used to work in a historic jail, which means that I like for 10 years of my life, I spent like every day in a jail. Uh, and I have visited a lot of historic jails, including the one in Philadelphia, which is a panopticon, uh, that led to a lot of stuff in like, especially British literature, like Dickens was obsessed with panopticons. Britain had their own panopticons, but he actually came to America to visit this prison because he was so fascinated by the concept of a panopticon. And essentially a panopticon has a central watchtower where a light is like always on and you don't know if somebody is actually in the window or not because you can't see it. And so it creates this, the panopticon effect, which is the idea that you're being, you could be being watched at any time. And so you can't do anything out of fear that this one time you might be being watched, but the next time you might not be. And then the next time you are, because they can see you but you can't see them and it creates like this entire like psychosis effect where you don't trust anyone around you because everybody could be narking on you or like reporting back and the way that this particular prison is constructed especially with having prisoners that are given a certain degree of power kino creates this effect of like you can't really fraternize with each other and you can't plan anything because you don't know if you're being watched and I, I thought like the way that they constructed even the room that they're working in, they have this one window and like the angle of it, like, yeah, you can see when they pass by, but you still don't know if you're being watched, especially mm -hmm. since like this is Star Wars and they have like cameras, I'm sure. And like there's the voice from above and like everything about this creates this concept. And like if you research Michel Foucault, who is the French philosopher who I've read all of his books that he wrote and philosophized in. And he did a lot on the criminal justice system and prisons and the way that prison labor specifically is an extension of like extremist governments because they devalue human bodies and see them only as the, like what they are capable of producing for capitalism essentially because it all it all connects in with like marxist theories and like everybody everything is like all connected and the way that this episode like so like so intelligently presents this idea and it's like a really excellent also like example of i mean britain is just as bad as america in terms of like the prison system using prison labor like we buy products on the shelves every day that are made by prisoners like this is a real thing. It's not just fake and in space. Like this is a real thing that people deal with every day. And I think that the way that they presented this was just like so succinct and like slap people in the face. I also love that I saw like academics that I know talking about how they're going to use this episode and hopefully subsequent episodes in their classes now, because it's such a clear example of this whole thing. So thank you for letting me be on my soapbox because this yeah. 
I'm not even like I'm not even kidding. There's a, a an episode. I think it's episode nine or ten that actually shows like a much better aerial shot of it. Because when I first watched this episode, I didn't think it was an exact panopticon. I was like, eh, it's similar. Like it's a little bit more like the raft because it's like in the water and I see yeah. it, and it's that kind of thing. No, it's actually a panopticon. Like I wish I could have gone back and like edited my review to be like, actually, this is a panopticon. So it's just. It made me so happy. <laughs> I know it makes me sound crazy, but it's like when you've learned something and then to see Star Wars use it to tackle like extremely difficult, like complicated, like real world tie-in like subjects. It just, I love it so much. And these people are just so smart and it just, yes. <laughs> you all can't see the big smile on her face, but it's there. Yes. <laughs> I, I am an academic at heart. Like the first time I learned about a panopticon was from my British literature teacher who read my review and was like overjoyed that I talked about it because he's like I'm the one who taught you that which like was a whole thing but uh I was just like it's it's I don't know I I know I'm weird and I I, I'm aware that there are a couple people apparently a Star Wars fandom who made fun of me for being excited about this but you know when you learn something it's fun to see it and the things that you love so (laughs) so do we have anything else to say about the prison are we going to go out on a panopticon angle and talk about, I guess, Marva next? Because she did come Marva. Up. Yeah. On to Marva? On to Marva. So a couple of friends have told me this, and I feel the same. Does Marva remind anybody else of their, like, grandparents? A little bit. Yeah. She, re- she reminds me of my mom. <laughs> yeah. My mom, my grandma's. She's just... It's like the, every week, I just love seeing this in her, this, I'm too old to be afraid anymore. And if my mom is listening to this, I'm not calling you old. I'm just saying, (laughs) that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that at at some point, I feel like people hit this age where they're just like, "I, I understand that this is what it is. I'm not afraid of it. I don't care to let it dictate my life anymore. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And I find that very endearing in Marva. Yeah. I, I think I see that in my mom because I'm pretty sure my grandparents would have been rooting for the stormtroopers. So. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, um, yeah. I don't know if I saw my, my grandparents in this. Um, maybe my, my grandmother a, a little bit. Um, but I do, I do, I think I see my mom in it a little more. Um, the, current political climate um, has brought out something in my in my mother that I never saw in my 30 years growing up of how much much more willing she is to speak her mind on things she's always kind of been a uh, been like a live and let live kind of person but um, something about these last few years has really caused her to be like I heard her say the other day to somebody who has somebody got a little too political in the wrong direction in front of her. And she just kind of put her hand up and said, no, we're not going to do that today. And I was like, I have never seen her say anything like that before in my entire life. She's the sort of person that would be like, mm-hmm, yeah, whatever you say. Um, and then try to change the subject. Um, but I saw her like actually say words the other day, which is like a revelation. Yeah, um, Alice is pumped. Same though. My mom <laughs> cut off people that she used to like would have kept the peace with. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
And I I watch Andor with my mom, and she like loves Marva so much. She's like, she's such a cool lady. She's like, I want to be like her. And I'm like, <laughs> makes me happy. No, <laughs> because that's a. It is like I think I talked about this during, um, Book of Boba Fett. But it's so great to see like older actors having especially older female actors getting mm -hmm. to have these substantial roles that allow yes. them to really show off their like what they're capable of yeah i agree i agree norhal mm -hmm. candace how about you thoughts on marva i love just seeing how much of a community there is yes on the planet like even though Cassian's gone his friends still like obviously care for marva and it's just something that's very familiar you know like it's a village in a way, even though it's very industrial. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It um, feels endearing how Bix is caring about her and also Brasso is interested on in he just slips this uh, daughters of Ferex mention. Yeah. I mean like looking like hey, well maybe we need to think of someone else taking care of her, but like you just said, we see the attitude that she's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't care, I'm, and I'm up for the rebellion. So, it, interesting. It kind of broke my heart a little bit when Brasso and Bix were talking about Marva and how she'd kind of gotten hurt. I think trying to break into the hotel, she was trying to like see if the door under the hotel was still open or something. Yeah, and just the way Bix goes. She's in the rebellion. Like the way she says it wasn't like, wow, she's in the rebellion. It was this this woman, God lover, thinks she's gonna do something, and I I don't think she is. Yeah. And like it was just her sounds... wanting to open it for the rebellion. Yeah, even. but like it's just a little thing. She still kind of dismissed it too, because I that's... don't think she believes anybody will rebel. Not that necessarily Mara is wrong it's just that i don't even think i don't even think bix went that far i think bix is thinking like marva thinks she's helping but the rebellion's not coming here yeah and i think i think there's a certain like there's an added layer at least maybe it's just me looking into it deeper like after aldani marva thinks that there's an organized rebellion that's going yeah. to come and liberate them and in actuality it was her son and a bunch of people stealing some credits and it was like a really like ragtag group of people that yes. weren't really working as an orchestrated like larger thing and so she has now like gotten it into her head that this thing is happening like but like we the audience no. know that it was mm -hmm. people who don't even believe in the rebellion yeah no and and that's something that we're seeing like i i, I mentioned yesterday with uh with the triad of the forces that we are used to see the Rebel Alliance like, okay, this is an organized group of people who's going to fight the Empire. But at this point of, his, of history in the galaxy, it's just like Maggie said, ragtag groups and isolated cells that sometimes don't even see eye to eye, but it's not yet the organized group that we see and even in row one we see that they're already uh, the arguing and not getting into in agreement to what to do after finding about uh, the scarabs uh, like the idu so um uh, yeah it's it, 
it's interesting to see from the perspective of someone like Marva, like just a regular uh, being in the galaxy thinking, oh, maybe there's something greater and larger that is going to fight the system of oppression that we have right now. Mm -hmm. And kind of even sadder is that we yeah. also as the audience um, are seeing uh, the the rebels that they are working with actively abandon them. Like yeah. Clea and Luthen shut down the whole system on, on Ferrix. They're like, nope, we're yeah. done. Like, that's enough. And so we can see that happening, but we're also getting Marva being like, I'm going to, you know, open tunnels and I'm going to help and it's going to be great. At the same time that Bix tries to send that message and they cut her off. Yeah. That these are all happening simultaneously makes it even sadder. Yeah. yeah. But it's like a, it's a bittersweet sadness, I think, for the audience anyway, because we know at the end of the day that it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe. No, I mean like five years down the line. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and like thinking of the fact that they get rid of the empire and then the first order is just born yeah. out of it, like so. Yeah, we don't, we're not gonna let Cassian know that because we don't need him to know that. Like, the long run of your death, eh, not doesn't technically kill out all the the bad guys. Um, but I also think it's interesting how we get to very different forms of hope and false hopes mm -hmm. because you have Kino who's clinging to the idea that he's going to be let out. And then you have Marva who's clinging to this idea that the rebellion is going to come to help them. And it's interesting how they're playing with these like I ideas of like, what, what is it worth the hope? Like, how is that hope going to like be paid off? And I think it's just really interesting when so much of Star Wars is built around this idea of hope. We have not talked about Saw. I was gonna uh, say I was gonna use that as like the finale and go out on a yeah song note. because we haven't talked about Mon Mothma which we had this uh, and I enjoyed that that how we saw the two perspectives that we saw the the Narkina five present but at the same time it, it, it overlapped with the Mon Mothma uh, place in Coruscant mm -hmm. which was some sort of another prison we yeah call it like that I mean Mon Mothma just had the one scene this week right. The dinner party. I can't another, remember another. Yeah, yeah. another party. But the beautiful time with cane worms. Yeah, the squids. Oh. Yep. Just between yes. the feet and the worms, this episode was not made for me. Um, <laughs> don't watch Harry Styles' new music video. Oh no! Is it feet or worms? Uh, it's, I don't actually know how to explain that music video. It feels like I don't. I, I just know that it is would disturb most people on this call the fact that you didn't answer the question is it feet or worms has me really concerned it's, both. <laughs> it's like a merman so maybe mon mothma drinking worms with her husband and ex-boyfriend yeah in the same room um with her yeah. tai kolma guy we get confirmation that we get confirmation that she was 15 they both were 15 when they got married. So as romantic. As, as the Coruscant couple was like, oh, that's so romantic. And she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I feel like the lady thought it was romantic and the guy was like, to each their own. Like, oh my God. Oh right. my God. Babies like marrying a... babies. And yeah. then Mon Mothma says, the, the bit that stuck with me, because then Mon Mothma says, hey, speaking of, have you seen Tay? 
And I was like, what does Tay have to do with your 15-year-old marriage? Because, oh. like, like when you just referred to him as ex-boyfriend, because they've been calling him classmate this whole time, right? Yeah. He's definitely an ex, though, right? For sure. The ones who got away, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm pre- oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be the guy that she was in love with as a teenager that's mentioned in the books. Oh. Yeah. Because her daughter is mentioned in one of the old legends books and it's like the same character basically well she also has a son in legends too who is also an imperial which makes it a little Uh, difficult which i wonder what they're going to do with the daughter he's in two i don't know um what i was gonna say about tay and maybe this is just my my romantic romance novel brain i was like (laughs) she wanted to marry tay and tay was like unsuitable so they married her to Perrin. Yeah. But now Tay is not unsuitable, but she's stuck with parents. Can I just say, I know we're not talking about Tales of the Jedi, but Mom Mothma was at a Padme's funeral. And you know who wasn't at Padme's funeral? Parent. Parent. <gasps> Parent oh. didn't go with her to her dear friend's funeral. Because Parent doesn't care. Parent He's a dead. terrible husband. Parent is a D-bag. terrible husband and a terrible man. Yeah. But you got to yeah. admit, he's kind of hot. <laughs> No, Tay's hotter though. Tay's hot. They make them. They make them sexy on Chandrilla. They do. My Mm. mom is obsessed with the Chandrillans. Like she thinks the whole thing. I mean, the who was born in Chandrilla? This is so true. Honestly, I told I told my mom that he was born on Chandrilla, and she's like, "Well, I know that like Han and Leia aren't Chandrilla," and she's like, "But I see. I get it. It must be something on the planet. Something in the water. (laughs) Something in the water just makes you handsome." Hey, but we we don't. That's why first order how to take them out. We have to bring up Ben Solo every week. Every week. I am anxiously waiting for the arranged marriage Raylo fix. Like I check to see if anybody has been influenced. I don't know if the Raylos are watching Andor. They are missing out. We are learning so much about our boys' home world. I'll I'll do it. Okay, Fine. thank you. Yes, take, take one for take one for the team. Oh gosh, twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, other than Mon Mothma scheming for votes to get in front of the emperor, anything else we want to say about we this, ha- this scene? Well, no. I really I- liked how like the senators were just talking about prisoners and criminals and how to prosecute and votes and like yeah and be like yeah do you, are, do you feel in danger you know and they're making like jokes like the snobby jokes and then andor is like yeah. literally i know which always operating heavy machinery without shoes a, yeah. right? a, it was a pretty good contrast yeah and i'm just like too real too of real the, yeah. of the scene in rogue one in the council scene in rogue one when all of the fancy dressed senators are around their little circle talking uh, at each other about who can and cannot go, oh, we won't go fight. No, we're going to give up or whatever. And you've got like Senator Pomlo, who's got her beautiful gold hood and everything. And everybody looks so fancy and clean. Mon Mothma's always wearing white. And then just outside of that little circle is like the people who are actually doing the rebellion, the pilots and, and the fighters and the infantry and everybody who's all dirty and messy and they're just trying to watch. And they're the ones that are calling out like, let her finish and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. That the, the disconnect between people like Mon Mothma and the people who are like actually suffering and actually doing like the work. Like Mon Mothma's trying to help. 
the, the, the like contrast between those two groups is so stark and it was presented really, really well in this episode because especially since the visually they were very similar. There's a lot of white and a lot of clean lines and a lot of, you know, sterile environment between yep. the prison and Coruscant. Um, but they could not be more different and that, that they're still so out of touch over there on Coruscant is like even more obvious. I think when you take away the, the visual contrast, uh-huh. it, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. All right. Any more Shandrillan thoughts or are we, we're going to do Cyril, Dedra and then Saw and Luthen. Yes. So on the Cyril and Dedra. Okay. So this week, uh, Cyril Karn and Dedra, last name I forgot. Um, Miro. Dedra Miro? Dedra Miro. Finally meet in a scene that launched a thousand fanfics, I can only assume. <laughs> the cheekbones in that room are I know. out of control. <laughs> and the deadly stairs. Deadly stairs, crisp accents, tailored uniforms. It's really very stylish scene. Now I know we're struggling in this room because we can't say things that aren't after dark things. Yeah. You you all can't see it listening, but at least three people are biting their lips so they don't say something dirty. But <laughs> anything safe for work that we want to say about Dedra and and Cyril besides the fact that yes, Maggie. I do not understand uh, Dedra's line of thinking and the way that she treats him after he gives her the information that she wants. She tells him to like forget about it. She's really mean to him, which I think he likes, but that's for After Dark. Um, <laughs> and the thing that like frustrates me is like two weeks ago she was in his position where everybody was treating her like she was crazy for her very accurate theory that she has like we know she's right Mm -hmm. and everybody was treating her like she was crazy and being that way led her to now getting this new job because she proved herself to be right and we know that Cyril is also correct and she's now treating him like that. And it's not like she's intentionally doing it. It's not like she's like, oh, if I push him the way that I was pushed, everything will work out. She's just mean. And like, (laughs) you're a little insignificant little twerp. And it's so fascinating to me to see that the way they've constructed this, because it shows just how ruthless Deidre is in such a quick and casual way. Like she, she doesn't care. Like here. Oh, okay. So you didn't get to see Belvin's report. Okay. Well, I'll let you see Belvin's report. Okay. You give me the information I need. Get lost. Little squirt. Like it's so fascinating. And I think that that is going to come back to bite her in the butt. Yeah. And there were two things that I enjoyed about their encounter was first that we got confirmation. I mean, we already implied that he was not going to let go of his obsession about his fixation with Cassian Andor, like a Javert with Jumble John. But we get confirmation that he was literally called to the ISB, taken to the ISB because he, he was submitting false reports inquiring for Cassian Andor. But also the interesting thing of another confirmation of how the ISB 
regardless of all this dedication and uh, like efficiency, apparent efficiency, we see that Blevink, he was just, okay, yeah, I'm closing this. He didn't even add anything that uh, Cyril told him. So yeah, another example of the inefficiency and uh, how incompetent can be the empire and how these weaknesses can be exploited later on. Yeah. And honestly, I just think that Deidre acts that way because, well, she's a woman in the empire and it seems like there's not very many of them in power and she's not being taken seriously at all. And you know what? Cyril comes off as really freaking crazy. So you know what? Like, I don't blame her for being like... He's obsessed. He's obsessed and he really feels like he's like acts like a big fish in a small pond and there's a lot of posturing with him. So I understand like she's like, you're a little too intense for this. <laughs> She's like, you're you're at like eleven. You need Why to come down. Obsessed. Yeah, I yeah. I am also obsessed with Cassie and Andrew, though. So like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we understand, but yeah, we've seen that face. <laughs> His entire <laughs> office like web search history is all Cassie and Andrew related. And I'm like, oh my yeah, god, that seems about same. Right. But yeah, I mean. Uh, Candace has a point because, yeah, if we, th- if we think of the highest, the top executive, the C-suit of the empire, to call it that way, there's no women. I know we, there's no aliens, of course, but there's no, there's no women around. I think it's interesting, like in this episode, we sort of see Dedra go from being the person that, every, that nobody took seriously to now taking it out on Karn. And then seeing Kino do the same thing to the prisoners. She is functionally not a powerful person. Nope. Not sort of the top of anybody's consideration, but she's been given this much authority and she's going to run with it. Even if that means making one desk jockey sweat a whole lot. And then obviously by the end of the episode, she's now running the interrogation and stuff on Ferrick. So it does mm-hmm. grow a but bit, but he prior enjoyed to that. It. He enjoyed oh yeah, it. very much. Yeah. He enjoyed it very much. He's going to think about that for weeks. He's like one of those guys who's like in the neighborhood watch and just like wants to report everything he sees just like because he likes yeah. the attention. He's a neighborhood watch guy with a humiliation kink. Yeah, pretty much. There we go. Ours has got it. <laughs> There's an AU for you. <laughs> All right. Saw. So good. Wow. So... Okay. I... Listen. My sweet baby boy who's never done anything wrong. No, but I, I gotta he say, literally just dropped off a child. He, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he was doing it for her own good. Duh. <laughs> hey, but I gotta say, I mean, Forrest Whitaker, he just went on like, yeah, he served getting that nomination for guest actor in the drama series because that monologue, he, he that those lines were so powerful delivered to to lose them, to be honest. Absolutely, goat Luthen's. behavior. Luthen's monologue about and just like what he's scared of is that the empire will be too powerful for whatever they started not to be an impact. That's yeah. got to be terrifying when you put like your whole life on the line. Yes. Unless you're Saw, who is apparently not afraid of anything. <laughs> he does not want to get along with anyone. <laughs> yeah, that showdown was such like like two absolute powerhouse actors yeah yeah staring That's, each other down yeah when i was watching that scene and also the clay clea clea mm-hmm. yelling at luthan i just kept thinking like wow okay this 
cast is stacked. Everyone is so believable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everyone, like, you believe every single word that's coming out of their mouth. And, yeah. Just feel very lucky to have them. No, and amazing because at this point, we we know about Sogarera from different from Rebels, from Clone Wars, of course, and from Rogue One. But we see how he's, at this point, like I mentioned, the, it's not organized yet, the rebellion. So you see that... I love the line that Luthen said. Are you, aren't you tired of arguing, uh, fighting with people that thinks like you, or something like that? I mean, it was like, yeah. At the at this point, there are different efforts towards rebelling against the empire, but we are at the point that, yeah, no, the, those are they are they are separatists because for him, he's still with the the, the wounds open from the Clone Wars. Like yeah, losing his sister. Exactly, and on their own. So for him, and, he's still... Uh, I just keep thinking, like, yeah, are you tired of arguing with the people who believe the same thing as you? Yeah. Just remembering the Rebels episode where Mom, Mama, and Saul just yell at each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ghost crew was like, I guess we're here. <laughs> we're, <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> but, like, I feel like as I get older, I understand Sagrera better. Oh, yeah. Everybody has that one thing in their life, whatever that thing is, where something has been unjust. And other people agree with you that this thing is unjust. But however they want to go about solving it, it has so devastated you that you're like, that's not enough. Whatever oh, you're yeah. doing is not enough. And like, and for Saw, it's it's the Empire because he lost his home. He lost his sister. Like, this is a man who has been living with grief for decades with no healthy way to process it and feeling that anybody trying to do something about it is not doing enough. So, like, yeah, maybe first watching Rogue One, I'm like, this guy needs to chill. But, like, as <laughs> I get sure, I'm like, no, I do I do see where he's coming from. Yeah, I'm the weirdo yeah. that came out of rogue one and was like saw guerrera is my favorite i've been a saw guerrera propagandist since rogue one (laughs) i like i get so mad at star wars fans that reduce him to nothing more than like the actions of a desperate man and that's insane when we see him in clone wars and also rebels and rebels like even like ezra and sabine are like make some good points you know (laughs) we're like He's not wrong. And so, like, those two are heroes. And they're like, yeah, no, he's not wrong. Yeah. And, and, like, it's it's such a good example of the different kinds of politics. Like, he is the, I can make this end right now. I have the means to make this end right now. And then you have somebody like Mon Mothma who's like, well, what if we just go to the Senate first? And then we present our case. And then we let due process take its course. And he's like, Mm -hmm. or I could just blow this up right now. Like, And she's you get not the same outcome. Either. No. Right. Like, it's just how the outcome. You get the same outcome, but how quickly do you want to get there? Yeah. Yeah. And ethically. And the yeah. problem with Sagrera, and you know, I love Sagrera. He's my, he's my boy. Um, I, I do, I do love him. And I think he's got, like Ezra and Sabine, I think he's got some really good points to make. The problem is, is that when you let something like this become that personal, when he, he is so convinced, he says it himself that he believes that he is truly the only person with the clarity of purpose. Yeah. And because he's let this cause get so personal to him, he's like, I lost everything. I lost my home. I lost my sister. And the empire um, is to blame for all of it. 
therefore I'm the only one who understands and is going to do the right thing. He has no scope of anybody else's purpose or the fact that like a lot of other people lost their homes and loved ones and they're, and they're handling things in a different way that they think is right. And he thinks is stupid or unproductive or evil. And he, he, his clarity of purpose is so warped to believe that he truly is the only one who understands what he's doing and why, and doesn't believe in anybody else's like input. And it's really damaging to the, to the rebellion, even though he's also like, he's doing good things for the rebellion, being the only one that's willing to actually like take action and blow stuff up and like, and like help is a good person to have around in a rebellion but he still is shutting out and cutting off everybody else to the detriment of an entire group of people who believe in the in the same cause who also all hate tyranny um it's it's so complex it's a, like such a complex character um that you want to root for but also say no not like that <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I really, really love the character a lot, but he is being a huge jerk. <laughs> yeah, and that's just so great to see after, you know, you grow up, like, watching the original trilogy, and you just think, okay, the rebels are good. The rebels are just just and clean, and they're gonna, you know, they're Luke Skywalker all, like, you know, with his laser sword <laughs> and happy. But, like all these layers to it which yes. makes sense now that you're an adult like of course it's not just like a ragtag team of like do-gooder teenagers you know <laughs> there's the politics behind it and I just okay. I love this part being explored because if you stay like some franchises can get so stagnant telling the same story over and over again when you know this is really taking some risks which mm -hmm. I hope we'll see more of in the future I guess it's my line of thinking that like my favorite characters aren't my favorite characters unless they commit one or two war crimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Saw Gerrera is actually the blueprint. <laughs> he's amazing. It, he's, amazing. He, and he's more amazing for how complex he is. Yeah. And again, space therapy all around, you know, yeah. could change so much. You know, it, honestly, him and Mamafa could be BFFs. If they, you know, just maybe had some counseling or something. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think the rebellion works because they don't get along. It's like this perfect, it's this perfect storm of parts that don't gel. But if anybody was marginally different, none of this would have worked. Because if they had just gone about it the Sagarera way, everybody would have died. If they had just gone about it the Mon Mothma way, nothing would have changed. But with just enough from, like, the, the due process way and the why don't we just blow it up way, like, with just enough on both, they were able to relatively succeed. The First Order does come, does pop up a couple decades later. But I feel like there's an expression about how you need all kinds of people to do something or other, and I'm blanking on what it is now. But that's what the Rebellion needed, was they needed the... The people who are a little more like, hang on. And then they needed the, no, 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 I've already strapped the dynamite to the thing. We just got to press a button and go. So, like, they needed they needed a bit of both. Mm -hmm. So, diversity and their perspective, yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it's, otherwise it gets stagnant, no matter mm -hmm. what the perspective is. Any more thoughts? 
saw the rebellion? Uh, well, I think by rebellion, we didn't mention Belle and Cinta. Yes. We I'm didn't sure. mention Belle and Cinta, no? No, we didn't. Cinta's uh, alive, yay. Yes, yay. she's alive. But yeah. And, I mean, go ahead. Oh, we just got like complete confirmation that they are girlfriends. They're in love, which, you know. But was it me or it felt like a jab? Cinta's row at Bell's. Oh, it yeah. did. It was, it was but it was so good because we also got like some of Bale's backstory in that too, but yeah. also got some of Bale's like personality of that she's, I mean, also Cinta's personality that she's willing to be like, you know. The people who love you know. know you the best and know how to strike between the ribs. Yeah. Yeah. And Cinta's we- always been the one who's like the most focused on this. I know. And you have to think like, okay, so Vale is a rich girl, but and she probably still has her family alive somewhere. She left, and then you think Cinta, whose entire family was murdered by stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It makes perfect sense why they're each the way they are. Okay. I have a theory. Okay, I have a theory about Vale, about okay, where okay. she's from. Um, knowing that she's a rich girl. Um, Knowing that she's a, the now that we're like, oh, you know, rich girl running away from your family or whatever. Um, my theory is that um, she and Dedra are sisters. Ooh. Oh. That, they are um, both very blonde. I got them confused in the they're trailer. Very, they're both very blonde. Hey, very, hey, very, lovely, I... very lovely, great jawlines. Um, and I think my theory is that, um, yeah, that uh, Vel is running away from her imperial family and her perfect imperial big sister. Um, and that's the job that sen- when Sensor was like, I'll just pretend to be a rich girl running from my family. And she's like, wow, that's cold as hell. Um, wow. And that, so that's my, that's, my, that's my running theory. And uh, I don't care if it's not true. I'm going to roll with it until proven otherwise. And if not, yeah. you can write the AU fan fiction. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Please give me something else to write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I when when not though when Cinta made that dig I was like pause hold wait somebody give me that entire story yeah and then we can resume <laughs> just like back it up get more. give me the whole thing and then we can keep going because that's that's very much my shit that's what yeah. I mean. can we talk I, can we talk uh, about the sad lesbian fade through the video of editing in today's episode well in this episode was especially good and usually like okay so i went to school for like production and stuff like that and usually the fade was so overused by everyone that our professor was like stop it <laughs> don't <laughs> use this anymore the yeah. dissolve it's, like, it's technically a dissolve and um yeah that slow that, dissolve that yeah. slow dissolve through like with them both facing each other and I both know. looking sad We'd love some sad lesbians. It worked there well. Isn't some sort of fan vid using that fade through with the saddest <laughs> Taylor Swift song you know? Honestly, Mariball. It's Mariball. It's Mariball. There we go. There yeah. we go. Uh, she's a Mariball character. Cassian is an anti-hero character. Yes. Uh, I... <laughs> Cyril is a, a mastermind character. <laughs> I thought it was more I, bejeweled. Bejeweled. He, he's a mastermind character. I know. I love that. Oh my goodness. Yes. 
Yes, they're all a yes. Taylor Swift character. I archetype. love that. But the, it's going to be interesting since Cinta's now there and also Deidre's there too. I know. And mm. she got to Ferrix. And then she got Bix. Poor Bix. I know. I really like oh, the moment yeah. where Dedra is like, um, oh yeah, no, I really, I want her to, I want her to see him. And then immediately and then, goes, oh, what is she doing in here? Get him out. Like, oh, she's such she's a good actress. I love like that so fast. That was so slick. Okay. So yeah. I know she's imperial and everything, but like as a feminist, I'm like still rooting for her. I support women's You wrongs. know what? <laughs> <laughs> I, <know wrongs. laughs> I just like, she's girl bossing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, go, you do it, please. Yeah. Please. She's much gas- these men. <laughs> gas- <laughs> like gatekeep girl bossing all yeah. over this place. And. Yeah, it's I support women's rights and wrongs, and yeah, no. she's exactly. doing a really, really good job. Exactly, she's getting stuff done. I broke Arzy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, also, as a feminist, <laughs> oh my also, god, as a feminist, we should have more yes. female imperials. Honestly, yes. honestly, <laughs> the empire would have not fallen if they had a few more women up there. Oh. Let's be real. <laughs> Probably a good thing they did it then. Look, they look yeah, exactly. Look at yeah. Palpatine and Vader. They're so emotional all the freaking time. Just all about their hate and anger. And then, you know. You're killing me, Candace. Oh, my God. <laughs> but look who the top ones are at the rebellion. It's Ray Mon- Sloan. Yeah, Ray Sloan. If Dedra and Ray Sloan had been in charge of everything, the, there you the go. galaxy far, far away Empire would still, still be there. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, look at the top brass at the rebellion. It's Ahsoka, Mon Mothma, Hera. Yeah. Ladies Leia. done. Leia, yeah, of course. Leia. Leia. Yes. You know? If Padme had lived. Oh my gosh. Oh. There w- the, yeah. Then can you imagine? <laughs> this is the new AU that I'm gonna write is awesome. the girls are running both now. the Empire and the Rebellion <laughs> and nothing happens. Because they're all so, too good at their job. Yeah, they'd be like I, you know, I respect you for <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. Also, can I can I mention something like was really random cameo this episode uh, that we had another Targaryen on space. The one of the ra- the officers, the Imperial officers, the in Ferrix was uh, Will Scolding who played Rhaegar Targaryen in Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. <laughs> so this is I'm mentioning this because. Uh, please, Star Wars, give us Emma Darcy and Matt Smith in space, please. Oh, God, yeah. I don't even watch House of the Dragon. I could listen to Emma Darcy talk all day. I love their voice so much. Yeah, yeah they need to be in more things. They really, they really do. do. Yes. All right. Final thoughts on episode eight, Narkina five. I, I was going to make a, a joke about how, remember, Matt Smith was supposed to be in The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yes, yes. As, I thought that you were going to say oh, that. No. As a certain character. <laughs> Somehow, Palpatine returned. <laughs> I knew it. Oh, my God. Can I just say how much I enjoy that they talk about Palpatine and it's not obnoxious? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I have such a fight or flight reflex anytime Emperor or Palpatine is mentioned. And I think it's because of somehow Palpatine has returned was such a heinous line. And so like, oh, hi guys, the Palpatine's back. <laughs> um, 
I hated it so much and I think I really feared the idea of him being mentioned at all but the way that they've worked in conversations at parties that involve the name the emperor or the palpatine like so like naturally it doesn't even make me have like where's my garbage can i need to puke like it's magical i find it really interesting how they casually just call him palpatine Instead well, yeah, because they knew the emperor, the chancellor or he who must not be named. It's, you know, like it's so much like people who work in politics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I would cash. really see, like, I was watching Clone Wars, and they just have like these giant screens, and it's Palpatine like doing some propaganda. You know, even before he's the emperor, I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. Him maybe like vaguely in the background of like the news that people are getting, and like what he's portrayed as. That, like, you know, how they are for, like, Empire Day. Some people are still celebrating the Empire. And I'm just very intrigued about, like, how he's perceived by some people. Yeah. Because, you know, you talk to him for five minutes and you're like, oh, you're evil. Yeah. <laughs> as long as he doesn't talk. He can be on the news and the journalists talk about him. I don't want him to talk. And he's like, He'll here's a puppy. Over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last thoughts? Yeah, I'm really excited to see what's what's going to be the next. I mean, I and I know, I mean, he's going to be broken out of prison, but we know it's hap- going to happen, but it's interesting to see how it's going to happen. I'm just happy I know that Cassian and Melshi are both making it out okay. Yeah. I have to plead the fifth. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen episodes nine and ten, so I cannot. I cannot. Yeah, really Look, excited. Real excited. Mm-hmm. I too am excited. Yes. The best is yet to come. Wow. Alice is, Alice is clutching me. her face again. You're literally killing me. You're See, killing I don't want to know that because I don't want my like. I don't want to have any expectations. I like going in with no knowledge. Alrighty. On that note then, Candace, where can people find you online? Um, best place to find my geeky stuff is on Twitter. Candace is a geek, at least for now. <laughs> right. Uh, Maggie, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Maggie of the Town, and I have a link to you in my bio to all of my various pursuits. And if you look on my profile under a lot of uh, other ramblings, you'll find my review where I talked about the Panopticon if you want to learn more. Nora. You can all find me on Twitter at Norhal, where you can see all, all my uh, links on Linktree on my bio. And yes, check it out. And Alice. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok at Alice White THP for those happy places. That's my other show. And as for me, I am on Twitter at Arzu Amin. This show is on Twitter at Space Waffles Pod. As a network, we are on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We are at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where you can find all our shows. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. And that's where this is inevitably going to turn into Andor After Dark, which you're not going to want to miss based on just how much is not being said in this show. My body is ready. (laughs) Yes. So thank you all so much for listening. Someone needs to check on the OSHA violations at the prison and may the waffles be with you. <laughs>